end of the world. Let me begin this series by, by saying this. I want you just to know my heart, what this is all about. This series isn't about fear. This series isn't about hell, fire, and brimstone. You see, I know some of you, you may have grew up in church, or some of you know some things about church, and you know when a preacher brings up, you know, the end of the world, and, and Jesus is coming, you know, the next thing you hear is, you know, that three-syllable word that ought to be one syllable, you're going to go to Hayalaha. It's hot that we break out the prophecy charts. You know, you've seen the prophecy, you break out the prophecy charts, and we're going to tell you, G- Jesus is coming today. He can come right 10. He's coming in nine seconds. Are you ready? Nine, eight. You're going to go to Hayalaha now. That's not what we're going to do, okay? I just, just, want, just want you to want to get that. Out front, just let you know, that's not what this series is all about. Let me tell you why we are doing this series. One in 30 verses in the Bible is about the end times or the return of Christ. 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament talk about the return of Christ or the end of time. You see, so this series is very important because the Bible gives so much emphasis to the return of Christ. It gives so much emphasis to the end of the age. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible. And can I tell you, this is a can't-miss series. It's not one of those one-week get-it-all series. It's a can't-miss series. You see, every week you're going to learn some things about end times. You're going to learn some things about the end of the age. And I'm going to unpack some things every week. You see, this week I'm just going to lay the foundation. I'm going to lay the foundation, but as you continue to come throughout this series, you're going to learn some things like what happens at the end of the world, at the end of the age. Well, what happens? What's this whole thing about the return of Christ? What's this whole thing about the second coming or the rapture or the millennial reign? Some of you, you have no idea what I'm saying right now, but be here because I'm going to unpack some of these, some of these things. And not only are you going to learn about the end of the age and the second coming of Christ and all, all these wonderful things the Bible talks about, here's what you're going to also learn. What do you need to do? What's your response? What, what, what does your family need to do? Well, what's our response to all of this stuff talking about the end of the age? And, and, the, and the question I want to deal with today, just laying the foundation, and every week we're going to build on this foundation. The foundation I want to build on today is this question. Will the world end in 2010? Will the world end this year? Here's the answer. I don't know. But it could. It, it could. As far as I can tell, we are living in the last days, as far as I can tell. And what I want to do, because this is a question that has been asked throughout history, that this is not the first time people have asked this, asked this question. Matter of fact, back in Jesus's day, this question was proposed to him in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. I encourage you to get your Bibles out, follow along with me in, in the Bible in Matthew 24. We're going to be here for the entirety of our time together. If you don't have your Bible with you, maybe you have your iPhone and your version app. You can follow along with me on version. Matthew 24 and verse 3 says this, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? Check this out. And what will be the sign? Everybody shout sign. Check that out. What will be the sign of your coming? Let me just pause here. For our, our, our new believers, for maybe those of you that, that, that are not yet followers of Jesus, so, so glad that you're here. You're like, what's this whole coming? 
You see, Jesus Christ, he died on the cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day with all power in his hands. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And all throughout the Bible, it lets us know that Jesus is coming back for his church. Things won't always be as they are today. And we're going to talk more about this whole rapture and second coming. We're going to get more in depth in that as, as the series, go, series, series goes on. But I want you to understand that this, this second coming, they're saying, when are you going to come back, Jesus? You're going to leave us. But when are you going to come back? And what are going to be the signs that you're coming and of the end of the age? Jesus, how will we know that things are getting ready to wrap up? The end of the age is coming. How will we know? I want to give you five signs. Five signs. That we are living at the end of the world or the end of the age. Number one is this. You can follow along with me in your bulletin. Fill in the blanks and take some notes. Number one is this. Deception will increase. <clears throat> Deception will increase. It's the first sign that Jesus gives us in Matthew 24, verse number four. He's answering the disciples' question. What's the sign of your coming? What's the sign of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out. That no one deceives you. Everybody shout you. That no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. I want you to see that Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus isn't talking about the world. You see, he's telling us that that, 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 he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers. You see, he, he's not telling us that the world will be deceived. We already live in a deceived world. Jesus is talking to his apostles who would later establish the church of Jesus Christ. And he says to his apostles, to his followers, watch out that no one deceives you. In other words, he's saying in the end times, in the last days, you, you have to understand, you, you, it'll be a great sign that I'm coming back because people will be deceived. Deception will be running rampant inside the church, not outside the church, outside the church. I mean, the world is already deceived, but inside the church, there'll be deception. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about it again in verse number 11, Matthew 24, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. If you continue to read down and, and get into the verses in, in the twenties there in Matthew 24, he talks about this deception again. You see, there are so many forms of deception in the church today. A lot of forms, a lot of deception going on. And I don't have time today to talk about all the deception that's in the church today. But I do want to encourage you to make sure that you're reading your Bibles. That you don't believe everything you hear. That you make sure it lines up with what the Bible says. To today I don't have time to dive into all of it. But, but what I do want to do is I, I want to give you one of the, the, the biggest, biggest deceptions that takes place today in the church. The biggest deception, I believe. The biggest deception is this. There, there, there are churches that are saying there are many ways to God. There are churches that are saying Jesus is not the only way to make it to heaven. And it's deception. Matter of fact, Jesus refutes this. I want you to hear what Jesus said. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered this whole, this whole concept that, man, there's any way to God. I mean, it's okay. I just believe what you want to believe. I mean, believe Jesus. Believe whatever. I mean, it, it, we're, we're all headed to the same place. But Jesus said this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father Except through me. Now, I don't have a trick Bible. Your Bible says the same thing. Now, I don't make up the rules. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am not one of the ways. Jesus declared, I am the only way. Now, either Jesus lied or he's telling the truth. And I believe he's telling the truth. And one of the best evidences that we are, we have as followers of Jesus is this. If you go to the tomb of Buddha, he's there. If you go to the tomb of Muhammad, he's there. If you go to the tomb of Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism, he's there. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus, he is not there. He has risen. He is alive. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, you want to know one of the signs that we're living in the last days? You'll know because deception will be running rapid in the church. Number two is this. Number two is this. There's a second sign that Jesus talks about. His disciples says, how will we know you're coming? How will, we, how will we know it's the end of the age? Number two is this. Disaster will increase. Disaster will increase. Notice in Matthew 24 and verse 6 through 8, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and boy, we are all aware that war is taking place around our world. But see to it, he says, that you are not alarmed. When you see all the wars taking place, don't be alarmed. Don't be scared. Don't be fearful. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Things won't always be as they are today. The end will come. Nation will rise against nation that's taking place. We see, we see people groups performing genocide, killing their own people groups. It's happening in our world today. Nation will rise against nation and, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth, play, of birth pains. Notice what Jesus said. There'll be famines and earthquakes. Did you realize that one billion people go hungry in our world today? 41,000 people in the world die every day because of a lack of food. Well, really, I shouldn't say a lack of food. Most of you don't eat all your chips and queso at the Mexican restaurant. Hey, Amen. Huh? You throw it away. They're not really a lack of food, but it's not distributed equally. Did you realize that 28 people die per minute because food shortage in their life? Jesus said famines will be taking place. Did you realize from 2000 to 2009, we saw some of the worst and most destructive natural disasters in recorded history across the globe? We, we, we saw the most destructive in terms of loss of life and property than we see, that we've ever seen in the last nine years. I mean, you, you know some of it. The tsunami, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. I mean, just Haiti, the just recently has taken place, the tragedy there, tragedy there with the earthquake. Natural disasters have increased by more than four times in the past 20 years. See, in, in, in the 1980s, we had about 120 natural disasters a year. Now we are averaging around 500 natural disasters a year. It, it sounds to me like the earth is getting restless for its creator to come back and to, and to redeem it, just like Jesus said would happen. You, you, Jesus said, hey, 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 you want to know what the sign is? I'm just telling you. You, you want to know I'm getting close to coming back? You want to know things are getting ready to wrap up? Here's how you know. There'll be disasters. In matter of fact, it, it, it's increasing throughout history. Number three is this. We're looking at the signs. The disciple says, how will we know? How will we know you're coming? How will we know it's the end of the age? Jesus gives a third sign. Number three is this. Difficulty will increase. 
Difficulty will increase. Matthew 24 and verse 9 through 10, Jesus goes on to say, then you will. Everybody shout you. Now he's talking to believers. He's talking to his apostles. He's talking to followers of Jesus. He's talking to Christians. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. I pray, not you. I pray, not me. Because of persecution, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Now, because we don't suffer horrible persecution for our faith in America, we have a tendency to overlook it. But friends, suffering for the cause of Christ is a real reality in many parts of the world. Do you realize that in the 20th century, the, the, the last century, there were more Christians martyred in, in, this, in that century than in the first 19 centuries combined? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, the last century, the 19th century, more Christians were martyred in that century than the last 19 combined. Around 45 million people lost their life in the last century because they claimed to follow Jesus. Conservative estimates say that in the world today, 480 people by the end of today are going to die simply because they say Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus is here's the deal. Here's the deal. It may not be happening here, but it could begin to happen in America. But around the world, people are dying because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you want to know one of the signs? Here's how you know. Here's how you know. Christians will begin to be persecuted. And you can know this, you can know this, when that happens, have joy in your heart, because I'm coming. The end of the age is going to be wrapping up, I'm, I'm coming. Number four is this, and number four is this, those disciples said, Jesus, we want to know. When are you coming back? When will the end of the age wrap up? He says, let me give you another sign. Here's another sign for you, disciples. Number four is this, darkness will increase. Darkness will increase. Matthew 24 and verse 12 through 13 says this, because of the increase of wickedness. Increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, it's very obvious that wickedness has increased over the years. I think we can all agree with that. Wickedness has increased over the years. How many of you can remember when kids used to ride their bikes to school and mom and dad didn't have to worry about them, huh? I remember growing up in Wewoka, I, I would ride my bike to middle school, didn't think anything about it. I, I had a little chain lock, would lock it up, sometimes didn't lock it up, it didn't make any difference, I mean, you didn't really, nowadays you send your kids to school and you put a detector on them, you know what I'm saying? Make sure... we, we live in a different, a different world today. How many of you can remember you parents would send, parents would send their kids outside to play for hours in the neighborhood, didn't know where they were? How many of you remember those days? I used to go out and play for hours, man, mom and dad. I'm going over to such and such house and just go play and have fun, nine, ten years old, and go out. You don't do that nowadays. It's a different world we're living in. How many of you can remember leaving your keys in the addiction of your car? Remember, I'm too young to remember that. I don't remember all that, huh? Ever since I've been driving, I lock my car doors and I beep, beep, lock them, beep. I check it three or four times while I'm still walking, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> But some of you can remember. You just leave your keys in the ignition and go on shopping, do what you have to do. How many can remember when you used to be able to leave your doors unlocked to your house? 
Huh? You don't have to worry about now nowadays. You don't leave your doors a lot. Matter of fact, the insurance company they are compelling you to to get a, a an alarm. They say, hey, we'll give you a ten percent discount. Just get a security alarm on your house because people are crazy today. I mean, that's what they're doing. We live in a different world, folks. How many of you can remember? I remember this. How many of you can remember going to the grocery store and being able to buy supplies and groceries without having safety caps and seals on them? Not nowadays. I go to the store now, buy some mustard and the seal's not on it. Uh-uh. That mustard's not coming to the Cooper house. Somebody will poison you nowadays. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't always that way, folks. We didn't always have safety seals and all these caps, but we live in a different world today. How many of you can remember that your parents and grandparents were a bigger threat to you than a drive-by shooting and drugs and gangs? You remember those days when Big Mama would wear you out? Big. You weren't worried about no drugs, huh? My mama would pull out a shoe, would knock you silly. I weren't worried about no drugs and no drive-by shooting. I was scared of mama. You know, not now. Not now. Drugs and gangs and violence. We live in a different world. Today, wickedness has increased. And the Bible says this, the love of most will grow grow cold. You say, Herbert, what does that mean? The love of most will grow cold. What does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. One out of every four girls and one out of every six boys will be sexually molested by the time they're 18 years old. In America, there are 1.3 rapes per minute. Nearly 70% of all sexual crimes that happen in our country happen to people under the age of 17, 70%. That's a cold world. One of the largest money makers on the Internet is child pornography. 30 to 40% of victims are abused by a family member. Another 50% talking about kids, people under the age of 17. Another 50% are abused by someone outside of the family whom they know and trust. Approximately 40% are abused by older or larger children whom they know. Therefore, only 10% of people are abused by strangers. It's my people you know. The love of most is growing cold. Sex trafficking is running rampant in our world. I mean, I, I was just blown away as just, just studying the statistics this week. Did you realize kids are being sold into sex slavery? They are forced to have sex for money. I mean, kids, seven, eight, nine years old, forced to engage in activity, up to servicing 30, 40 men a day. Kids. Kids. 800,000 people are trafficked across international borders every year. One million children are exploited by the global commercial sex trade every year, and it affects 161 countries. And did you realize $32 billion of profits are generated every year because of sex trafficking, taking little kids and selling them for sexual activity? And then this is actually taking place, actually taking place in the world. Those kids are having babies. And then they take the babies of kids and young teenagers, and they don't have a name, they, 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 they don't know who they are, and they settle, sell them into pedophilia, pedophilia rings and raise them up and groom them up for sexual activities and force them into sex. That's happening in our world today. The love of most 
is growing cold. And Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, you want to know one of the signs? You, you mean, you want to know one of the signs that I'm coming and things are getting ready to wrap up? The end is near. Wickedness will increase and the love of most will grow cold. Number five is this. Number five is this. There's a fifth sign that Jesus points out to us in Matthew 24 that, that, that the end is near and that we know when he's coming. Matthew 24 talks about dominance will increase. Dominance will increase. Now, when I say the word dominance, what I'm talking about is the gospel of Jesus Christ will, will spread like wildfire. I had to use the word dominance because it goes with my D's I got going on there. That's the preacher in me right there. You know what I'm saying? But dominance will increase. The gospel will dominate the earth. It will spread like wildfire. And Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. That's key. Everybody shout whole world. That's key. In the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then. Everybody shout then. Now that's real key. That's real key. The gospel is going to be preached in the entire world, and then the end will come. You see, all the other signs that I taught you about today have happened for years. You know, the wars and violence and wickedness and earthquakes, and those things have happened for years. But we are the first generation to see the gospel preached around the world, and mainly because of technology. You see, years ago, even 30 years ago, to bring the gospel to any nation, it took millions of dollars and lots and lots of people. But how many of you realize today, because of technology, you can now carry an entire Bible school in your back pocket? Matter of fact, I have an, I have an iPhone and I have a Bible on it. I've got Bible commentaries on it. Matter of fact, I got a couple of Bibles on I mean, when I say a Bible, I mean all different versions of the Bible in one app on my phone. Nowadays, people can write on their computer around the world. They can listen to Christian music. They can watch preaching. I mean, they can watch live services of churches right there on their computer screen around the world. Technology. It wasn't this way 30 years ago, folks. Right, right now, today, because of satellite and satellite beams and, and things of that nature, satellite waves in third world countries, they can watch television preaching. Some of it ain't too good, but some of it is. Amen. All right. But they can watch television preaching right there in their home in a third world country because of satellite. The God, what I want you to get is that the gospel is being spread all over the world. Did you realize that people are coming to Christ on this planet at a rate of three times population growth? Right now, today, 170,000 full copies of the Bible will be distributed on the planet. 11 million portions of the Bible are distributed a day. It happens every day. In China alone, I, I, this excites my heart, in China alone, there are 35,000 new believers every day. You see, sometimes we take for granted what's happening around the world because we're not seeing this great revival in America. But friends, there is great revival taking place on our globe right now. And we are living in the most exciting days in human history. Jesus said, you want to know how the end is near? You want to know how to know if I'm coming? He says, here's how you'll know. And we're the first generation that can say it. The gospel will go around the whole world. And then Jesus says this. Then the end will come. We're living in the last days. 
You say, well, Herbert, if the Bible is true, and I believe it is, and Herbert, if we are living in the last days, and I believe we are, what do we need to do? What's our response? What's the application to today's message? What, what should we do? What, what do I need to do? I want to give you four things we need to do. And, and Peter addresses this. He, he tells us, man, here's what you need to do in these last days in first Peter chapter four and verse seven. It says the end of all things is near. It's near. It's close. Therefore, now how many of you know when somebody says something like the end of all things is near and then they throw in the next word, therefore, we ought to pay attention. How many you know that? He goes, therefore, here's what you need to do because the end is near. Number one is just pray. Pray. Notice what he says in First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. Why? So that you can pray. You see, we are approaching the end of the age. And it's important that prayer is a priority in our lives. You know what prayer does? Prayer keeps us heavenly minded. Prayer keeps us dependent on God. Prayer keeps us focused on, on God. Prayer keeps our heart pure. Prayer makes us less earthly minded because it's so easy to get consumed into this world and what's happening in this world. And man, we got to take time every day to pray, to get along with our heavenly, heavenly father, because what prayer does, it moves us out of this earthly realm and puts us in this heavenly realm where our mind is focused on God. We're thinking about things of eternity. We're thinking about how we need God and how we're leaning on God and is our life pleasing to God. And so Peter says, listen, 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 here's the deal. When, when, when you know the end is approaching, you need to step up your prayer life. You need to, you need to pray. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for your co-workers. Pray for our, our, our state. Pray for our nation. Pray for the world. Pray, pray, pray. Number two is this. He gives us a second thing. The end of all things is near. Therefore what? Therefore, number two, love people. Love people. Notice what he says in First Peter chapter 4, the very next verse, verse 8. He says, above all. Now, I'm telling you, when somebody says above all, that's big time stuff. Above all. In other words, you make your list, and this is going to be at the top of the list. Besides loving God, this is at the very top of the list. Above all, in these last days, here's what you do. Love each other deeply. Love each other. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. As we are approaching the end of the age, we need to be focused on loving each other. We need to be focused on Christian relationships we need each other. We need to love each other. In other words, Paul says, or Peter says, listen, as the end of the age approaches, don't, don't be bitter. Don't hate people. Don't, 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 don't not forgive people. Love each other. Make sure you're connecting with one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Build relationships with one another. Look, can I tell you, as, as, as we continue to approach the end of the age, and it can happen today. Jesus could come back in these last days. We need to realize we have to stick together. We need each other. And I want to encourage you tonight. Connect.me. This is one of the funnest, coolest events in our church. We do it twice a year. It's tonight at 5 o'clock. We'll be serving Cold Stone Creamery ice cream. There's going to be lots of games and fun going on in this auditorium. You're going to get a chance to meet other Christians that are on the same journey that you're on, and they want to persevere and serve Jesus. And we're going to help you to connect, to build some friendships, to get to know some of your church family, to get in one of our small groups. We just want to facilitate and help you. It's going to be a fun night. I want to see many of you out tonight. Love one another. Above all, love one another. Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, we're launching Wednesday night connections.
it's an event for the entire family. There'll be programs for kids, for kids to grow spiritually. There's going to be our youth ministry will be taking place, junior high, and, and our high school students will have ministry to them on Wednesday night. And I'll be teaching this Wednesday night, and I'm excited. We're going to be talking about overcoming the obstacles of life. And I want many of you here. We're going to give you an opportunity to fellowship, to build some relationships. We're going to be teaching. You're going to be studying the Word of God. You're going to meet some folks excited about that. And listen to this. No obstacles. We don't want to have an obstacle for you this week. This week, get off work, pick your kids up, get to church. We're going to feed you. Chick-fil-A for everybody. Amen. It'll be good. So come on out. Some of you, ooh, I'm coming now, honey. Free food. Amen. Thank you. Come on. Come on out. I believe so much. I believe this so much. We're going to feed you. Above all, above all, love one another deeply. Offer hospitality to one another. When the last days are approaching, love one another. Number three is this. Help people. Help people. The end of all things is near. Therefore, what? Therefore, First Peter chapter 4, the next verse, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And we've been talking about this the last several weeks. Serving. Using your gifts to be a blessing. That you're not blessed just for you, but you're blessed to be a blessing. And Peter says this in the last days. Here's what you need to make sure you're doing. Use your gifts. Serve each other. Make a difference. Realize you're on this planet to make a difference. I encourage you. Get plugged into a ministry. Make a difference. Use your gifts to be a blessing to other people. Number four is this. The fourth thing that you need to do when the end is approaching, and it is, is you need to love God. Love God. Here's a question for you today. When you have your list of priorities, and you may not have them written down, but you have priorities in your life, is Jesus at the top of the list? Are you loving God? Does he have your heart? Does he have your affections? Are you living for him? Are you honoring him? See, pastor, I'm not. Can I tell you, the signs are all here. We're in the last days. And I encourage you to do one thing. Love God with everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Be ready for his coming. Father, I love you so much. I'm thankful.